Hi everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of our new podcast series called The Story Behind. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about mental health, a non-traditional route to medicine, and how a lot of our experiences from the past influence who we become today and in the future. We're also going to be talking about how finding your passion is something that is not defined in a particular place or time, but rather something that is influenced by those around you and previous experiences. So without further ado, I would like to pass it on to Emma to talk a little bit more about our guest speaker today. episode, we have an exceptional person as our guest speaker. This is Conteri Kuhn-Lazoya, an incoming med stu- student, um, and she's a previous mental health worker and a behavioral specialist. Yeah, so thank you for that intro. Yeah, so um, again, our, the goal of this podcast, as we talked about earlier, is to bring light to the journey of professionals working in various science fields. So we're just going to start with an intro question, um, which is, what is your story as you were going into medicine? Yeah, I mean, my story starts way back. So I am the oldest daughter of Cambodian refugees and my family members were, uh, you know, fleeing their country from a countrywide genocide. So that really set the tone for how they saw the world and how they raised me and also how I now see the world, especially in the realm of medicine. Um, You know, growing up, as a child of immigrants, you deal with a lot of different things, lots of differences in the way your family structured and just growing up in a community where there were immigrant families was nice, but then I eventually moved to another community where there wasn't immigrant families and I saw like the big differences my family had versus other people, you know, so I felt othered a lot of the times and I tried my best to fit in. Um, I did a do a lot of work, you know, with my previous community back in like Modesto, California, which is where I grew up. And I worked with like other students, um, mainly like Cambodian students and Hmong students who also wanted some guidance in terms of like succeeding and tutoring in school. Then after that, I went to UC Davis for my undergrad. I graduated with a double major in psychology and neurobiology, physiology, and behavior. Um, and college was the best experience for me in terms of opening my eyes to everything there is for medicine. I never once like wanted to give up medicine, even though it was just really hard at times. I mean, the classes are hard and then you kind of start having an identity crisis too, which, you know, it's all normal and you kind of figure out who you are and what you really want to do through this process. I am a non-traditional student, so I took several gap years after I graduated from UC Davis. And like you mentioned, I worked as a behavior specialist and a mental health worker during my gap years. But I also did a master's program at Case Western Reserve University and got my master's degree in medical physiology as well. And what makes me even more of a non-traditional student is that I'm a mother. I have a baby boy who's under a year old. So that's pretty much my timeline into medicine and, you know, how I kind of got onto this route and what I'm currently doing. So I will be starting medical school this fall. 
first of all, congratulations on your acceptance to med school. That's huge. And you mentioned that you took several gap years, but I remember you telling me earlier in our previous calls that you had taken out those years to find your passion in medicine and gain firsthand experience um, as a mental health worker and a behavior specialist. So what made you choose to do that in your um, time working as a mental health worker and what made you go into that particular field for some time? Yeah, so uh, during my undergrad, I didn't really work at all. I, I was lucky enough and, you know, I am so grateful for my parents for supporting me financially that I was able to pursue my education, you know, trying to do as well as I can academically, but I also was able to do a lot of volunteer work. And, um, you know, it's really competitive at times in a way where there are only limited slots to do certain things <laughs> at UC Davis. And, um, so I did a lot of work there, but it wasn't enough clinical experience for me to feel comfortable to know that this is what I wanna do forever. So I remember at one point in my undergrad, I even chose to do um, a pharmacy uh, kind of volunteer work. It's like, I was just a volunteer for about a quarter or which is, you know, 10 weeks and just went to a Rite Aid pharmacy and kind of volunteered my time there once a week for four hours, just to make sure like, oh, okay, maybe pharmacy might be a thing for me instead of medicine. And there was still some patient interaction. I, I picked up phone calls and all that stuff. I filled meds, I counted pills, all that stuff. But I was like, this is not what I wanna do. And so I looked a lot more into, okay, so let's actually look into clinical experience and make sure this is what you want to do. I shadowed some doctors, which was great, but I didn't have a lot of shadowing experience. Uh, I mean, even now I'm applying or I applied to medical school with like roughly a hundred hours, if not less than that of shadowing experience, which, you know, you need that for sure to see what a doctor does, but I wanted to see something else, which was how do you actually interact with your patient and can you actually handle that like for myself. So with my background in psychology, you know, I'm double majored <laughs> in psych, I kind of had this idea of like, okay, well, mental health is really interesting. It's not spoken about at home in my immigrant family. It's kind of like, well, it's very stigmatized. So it just I was just drawn to it. It was something where I could learn a bit about myself and also learn about like why other people kind of behave the way they do. And, you know, I found my first job as a mental health worker through one of my friends from my research lab. And she was like, I think you'd be a great person for this job. So I applied to it, didn't know if I'd get in, but I did. So I got the job and that's where I was like, really like in the, like, mess of what I saw, which is healthcare, where I truly learned like how certain people don't have the greatest access to healthcare, especially for mental health. It's so hard to get access for some people, especially homeless people. I worked with those type of populations that are underserved, underrepresented. Um, it really fueled my passion for medicine. And, you know, I was working with adults who uh, had a lot of crises. Sometimes I'd see the same <laughs> person come in every so often and it would break my heart but you know they needed us they would need us to like help them out with transitioning from the hospital to going back home but we were like that buffer for them 
Um, you know, so that's why I did that. And then I've always had this passion for working with children. And even during my undergrad, I did some teaching type of experiences where I got to work with kids. I even, you know, went abroad to Cambodia to help teach English as a second language uh, to the Cambodian students. And most of them were children. So a lot of it was just centered around like, okay, I've been working with adults. Let's see if I can handle working with kids, which at the time was my big passion. So that's why I left being a mental health worker and applied to be a behavior specialist with kids. And the thing is, I wasn't just working with kids as a behavior specialist. I even worked with their family members, which would either be like, you know, their parents or their siblings. So I worked with adults and children. Everybody's a part of a team. And I learned that as a mental health worker, there are other people in play for someone's treatment. So, you know, you have other factors like a social worker, they have a psychiatrist, they have a primary care doctor, they have, you know, all these people that help take care of them, bring them to their appointments and, or people who are just so like heavily in their lives every day that, you know, they matter, their opinion matters. And overall, I mean, everything is about the patient, but, you know, there are so many moving parts to this patient and, you know, it solidified my interest for sure after working both as a behavior specialist and mental health worker that I want to do this because I got the chance to advocate for people. I had the chance to educate them about certain things they didn't know about. I was a listening ear when they felt like the whole system was against them. And, you know, it only empowered me more to like advocate for them. And those are all like things I really love. And I feel like medicine is what connects all of that together. And I feel like I would really thrive knowing that I'm someone's like a safe place to talk to about their health I can teach them about you know different ways they can you know improve their lives or you know do something healthy and just you know help them be healthier and live a longer life yeah that's such a great story and it's it's very cool to see how how you tried out different careers and, or different fields that you may not have initially liked, but then um, kind of found the one that best fit for you. Um, but after learning more about your story and all of your experiences and um, everything that you learned in the medical field and also in science in general throughout your um, earlier years, um, I'm everyone faces challenges and obstacles, especially in this field. So what were some significant obstacles that you faced that you think influenced your academic journey? I mean, there's like my own academic experience, uh, you know, going to like high school and anything before college, I truly realized I did not know how to study for college. And that was the biggest thing when you have your first round of exams coming up and you're like, oh, I think I got this. This is what I did in high school. I'm just going to, you know, read my notes and do a couple practice problems and I should be good. And when you come back after getting like a C for like the first time ever in your life, you're like, oh my God, I am not doing something good. So that was one challenge and it took me a while to even figure out what I was doing wrong because as the oldest daughter in my like family, I never really got the chance to ask for help. I kind of was the help. So it was kind of me coming to terms with the fact that it's okay to ask for help so that I can actually succeed and things can be done better and faster. And, you know, people think it's a weakness, or at least in my culture, it, it can be seen as a weakness at times to ask for help. But, you know, being vulnerable is be is to be like strong because 
it takes a lot of courage and a lot of insight to know like I can't do this on my own and that was one thing that like really stuck with me after I left undergrad and definitely when I started my master's program I didn't want to you know fail again either because you know your grades do matter when you apply so I wanted to put my best self out there um, even personally some other things were just figuring out my whole identity I mean I went from living or growing up in a immigrant community to a non-immigrant community because my family moved and then I went to UC Davis where there was a blend of that where some people were you know first gen college students and some people have had many people in their families and their parents go to college and I had to figure out where I like best fit and just really coming to terms with like, okay, I had a different childhood growing up than some people and I need to be okay with that. And I can't take that too personal. And even more so is just like even dating, I kind of just figured out that there were some internalized thoughts that I had growing up that I didn't realize I had until I was basically being emotionally abused and manipulated and hurt by someone. And I realized like, hey, there's a big problem with me and I need to address it. And it, it was addressed when I finally like seeked out help and therapy and left obviously my abuser. <laughs> so all of that kind of helped me grow as a person, especially during my gap years. And it really helped me like see things in the eyes of what a patient would see and hopefully would help me become a better doctor in that sense as well. Well, that is an incredible um, experience that you've shared. Like, there were so many factors that you mentioned in your life, um, from being a daughter of immigrant parents and the, being the eldest. Um, I know from my own personal experience that you are the help. You don't really um, have the option for being like, okay, I need some help because you are in a situation where if you do not do that, then it won't be possible. And so you now try those experiences and teach them to other, others. So when was there a time where you felt that I am not in a good place right now? And how did you overcome it? Did you seek out help through other ways? And how was that journey? Because I know it it is a bit intimidating usually to take that first step to just realize that I need help um, to get out of this place. I mean, whenever I talk about this kind of stuff, I go back to something more personal, which is when I was in my abusive relationship, because that whole experience is what really opened my eyes and really like showed me like, I can't keep being the way that I am, the way I was raised. Um, uh, it was just, I think, it was one argument we had already broken up, but we were living together because housing is hard and financially I wasn't always like steady. And he literally broke my laptop and my phone. And I, after that, I didn't say anything. I was just crying my eyes out because he was also punching me. And um, I was just thinking like, this is not where I want to be. This is not what I want for the rest of my life. And I have to do something about it. And you know, it kind of took a really bad turn for me to kind of realize that, but I'm glad I did. And the way I did it was just the second he went to work. The next day, I reached out to my best friend at the time, and that, that best friend is now my husband. And um, he helped me get things moved out, helped me talk to 
a police officer and that police officer offered me a lot of like brochures about you know domestic violence and um, even gave me some other resources for like therapy and from there it was just about me like actually reading up on it as much as I can and I mean part of me wishes I did press charges at the time but I was just in such a negative space and I had absolutely no energy to even want to like do anything with like courts and the law I was just like I can't do this anymore I'm like so broken right now I need to just get myself better before I can even do anything else and so I spent months in trauma therapy and I really teased out like some of the things I grew up with was why I thought things were okay I never talked to anyone about my issues even though I wanted to so badly I mean as the oldest daughter you always have these things like I wish I could tell someone like this sucks and you don't because you grow up saying oh you just have to get through it yourself so that other people can learn the way but I feel like for me now like hindsight's like you have to talk about it so people can see the struggle so they don't feel alone. And, you know, it took a really bad, bad incident for me to realize that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. And it really helps to see how, how something so personal like that influenced and influenced you so heavily and, and really like made you so interested in a certain career and led you down a certain path. Um, so with that, you were talking a lot about mental health and your experience with that and, and seeking help. Um, so especially today, I, I feel like the uh, mental health has become more destigmatized in the recent years. Um, but what's your opinion on that? And how do you think the best way to combat the stigma surrounding mental health is, especially with um, teenagers and young adults? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think mental health awareness has increased so much from when I was in high school. You know, back in high school, this may sound awful to you guys, but people literally thought like if you had depression, you were faking it for attention. It's kind of deal. And, you know, that was the stigma there. And now when we think about mental health, no one would say that anymore. So there's some improvements, although it's still heavily stigmatized in certain cultures and in certain places. I would think the best way to like really combat it is to just educate the people and when I say educate it's not just spewing like definitions and what something is you have to like really go into each community and like learn how to communicate with them because even in my Cambodian culture alone you can't just say like depression is just being sad and when you do that like direct translation they're not going to take it seriously it's you have to know how to say it in a way that's also culturally appropriate um because like in the Khmer culture, there are certain things like when someone passes away, uh, the way they would say is like, you know, they took their last breath. You don't say they passed away or that they died. So like things like that, just the little nuanced wording of stuff is really important into getting like people to fully understand what mental health is and fully being aware of it. And when people can actually like be educated in a way that they understand, I think that would really help to destigmatize uh, you know, this negative idea of what mental health really is. Because, you know, right now, even my parents, like, they try their best, I think, because they realize it's becoming more and more important, but they just don't understand certain stuff. And as much as I try to explain it to them, I know I'm also limited in my own vocabulary. 
So I, you know, it's all about doing your research and finding a really good way of communicating because it's not just my culture alone. It's like other communities. If you tell someone like, oh, they're having suicidal ideation, you know, some people's response is, oh gosh, they're crazy. And it's not their fault to some extent because they just don't know. They are a little bit ignorant to it and you have to just find a way to educate them in a way that they personally understand. I really agree to what you said at the end. Um, it's not something that we need to educate everyone by definitions or terms or meanings. It's more into understanding what they've been through and looking upon their story really matters because that's what shapes a person and that's what shapes their thinking as well. So since you are going into medicine, um, what type of field are you thinking of specializing in with your background in mental health? Yeah, I mean, for me, as much as I loved the work I did as a mental health worker and behavior specialist, I, I don't know if I can handle psychiatry. I got one of my letter writers was a psychiatrist and, you know, I really look up to this you know, doctor and everything, but I just don't know if I have the mental capacity to do that. But at the same time, if I don't have the mental capacity to be in psychiatry, do I really have the capacity to be a doctor? I'm so interested in it. I think the best specialty for me would be something that kind of marries the idea of, you know, psychiatry and pediatrics and something I haven't even spoke about yet is my love for physiology, especially endocrinology. That's something that I am so fascinated with and interested in, and I love learning about. So something that can marry all three of that, if possible. If not, then, you know, my mental health background will always be an asset and I can always utilize it no matter what specialty I go to, because it, in the end, it's just the way you treat a person and taking into account like their history more than just their physical symptoms it's their behaviors what are what is their lifestyle like and how they respond to you when you give them an idea on like how we should approach their treatment you know yes definitely and that's definitely something that's that's important to consider when you especially when you're considering um, different fields or different areas that you want to go into with medicine um, you said you were interested in endocrinology um, and you were fascinated about it by it. So what particularly particularly makes you so interested in that field? And do you think your experiences have, I mean, you already you talked about some of your other experiences, but um, are, is there anything else that you want to share that that influence your interest in in this field? I mean, when I was an undergrad, I did research in a psychology lab, but they did hormone or they were doing research with like, hormones and behavior and how specifically two hormones, vasopressin and oxytocin would influence our behavior because we knew what it does in the brain centrally and systematically, but we were looking at other stuff. Um, so one of the things I did when I was actually uh, at a research assistant, we did this obesity study where we kind of induced uh, certain prairie voles to <laughs> become obese through their diets. And then we administered oxytocin to see if, you know, that would help and whether, you know, help them decrease their weight or maybe see any other behavioral changes like food sharing and other things like sharing their bedding and all that stuff in between like their little containers. Um, they're not containers. I forgot what they're called, <laughs> but you know, uh, so that was really interesting. And then I took a 
uh, what is it, an upper level endocrinology course during my undergrad. And it was all about the endocrine system. And I just loved everything I learned in that class. So from there, I was like, this is what I would really like to continue learning about. And then that was also the reason why I chose to do my master's program in medical physiology. So actually seeing the human body, what it's supposed to do normally will help me know like what what's wrong when something goes wrong, basically. Um, and, you know, pairing that with like every other aspect of a person, which is their mental health and their lifestyle and everything that they are, I feel like that would really be something that I can bring to the table as a medical student and as a doctor one day. That definitely sounds quite interesting, and I'm sure it's going to be not only helpful in the future, but um, open up a lot of more opportunities for learning and connecting with people at a more personal level. What is your opinion or what do you think is not talked about enough um, when students or, or young adults are thinking about going into medicine? Um, I really think what's not really spoken about enough is like the mental toll it takes on you to actually apply and just your entire journey because they tell you how to get into medical school, what you need to do to get into medical school. And, you know, like, yes, that's very important, but there is this whole aspect of you, if you're a pre-med student, you don't need to actually have like a biology major or something sciencey or chemistry, like, you know, to be a doctor, you can have any major you want. So you might as well pursue your passions. If you love writing, go ahead and do an or a writing major or English major. As long as you take your pre-med recs, you are solid. And I say that because the mental toll that it takes on you to go through all your pre-med courses can be very, very heavy because you end up finding your, depending on the school you go to and the type of person you are and how you're raised. So for me, it was so tough because, you know, everything's super competitive. <laughs> um, you know, you kind of find yourself isolated and you find yourself questioning your self-worth. You find yourself wondering, like, is this really meant for me? And you're going to have either advisors or your peers or just people saying like, oh, you have such a low GPA, you're never going to be a doctor. Or, you know, like if you can't handle this, what makes you think you can really handle being a doctor? And for me, look, I didn't have the world's best GPA as an undergrad. I graduated UC Davis with a 3.4 GPA uh, cumulative. And my science GPA, I want to say it was like a, a 3.1, which isn't that the most competitive either. And during my undergrad, I questioned myself so much, like, oh God, everything, my academics are so low, which means I have to like really do well on my MCAT, which is the test you need to take to go and apply. And, you know, I scored pretty low on that too. So I was like, okay, am I even cut out to be a doctor? And the thing is you are, um, if you can, you know, you, it's one thing to have like grades and numbers and all these metrics, but it's another thing to have a story behind it. And your drive to pursue it. So, you know, for me, it, I took six gap years. There's no doubt that I want to be a doctor. And it's so evident in the fact that I even had jobs and I still want to be a doctor and I still applied. And I think that's what people need to realize is if you want to be a doctor, you got to prove it on paper and not through your grades, not through your test scores or any other 
metric they use to, uh, you know, rank you. And even then your ranking should not matter. No matter how competitive the school is, your mental health goes first and you have to really pursue your passions because your passions is what makes you stand out as an applicant and as a person. And it's going to be what makes you become this amazing student and amazing doctor, because you're not, you're not going to care if your doctor did well on their MCAT, you know, got in the 99th percentile and then did like all A's or whatever, all passes, depending on the type of school you go to for medical school on the, on their exams. You want to know that they're a good person who's going to give you the space to talk, listen, and, you know, actually care about you. That's the main thing. Like when you want a good doctor, you're not thinking about those numbers. You're thinking about who are they as a person. And that's what needs to be spoken about when you talk to pre-meds. And, you know, I'm really passionate about this because I'm such a non-traditional student that I want people to realize like, hey, you don't need to go to medical school right after your undergrad. You can take a couple gap years and grow as a person and really like experience life because that's going to make you a better doctor, you know, to experience, you know, going abroad. If you travel, yes, you can travel for fun, but doing so means you're going to be immersing yourself in another culture, another community, and hopefully you learn something from that too. It's all about growing because as a doctor, you're always going to have to grow. You're going to learn all these new things that come out through research, but you're also going to grow as a person so that you know what to do to hopefully better yourself as a physician and, you know, follow your passions because it's, it's the one thing that's probably going to be keeping you like steady and stable throughout medical school. It's hard enough when you're trying to study and pass your classes and that's not gonna stop in medical school. It's only gonna be like, they say that learning everything in medical school is like drinking from a fire hydrant kind of deal. So how are you gonna mental or handle your mental health? Sorry, uh, you know, take care of yourself. It's really those passions that you have that hopefully ground you and keep you wanting to pursue this field. That is very well said. I think a lot of high schoolers or um, I think students in general, even I think through undergrad, I've heard stories where they chose medicine and then throughout their journey somewhere they found what truly interests them and what their true passions are. And it's all right to change. Um, and I think from your story, we can definitely see how much you worked towards it and how many different changes you went through from teaching abroad and working as a mental health worker to now being accepted to medical school. Um, it, it's different and every person's journey is different. So would there be any advice you would like to share our listeners and any students who are wishing to follow a path like yours one day? I mean, definitely don't give up. It, it's going to be hard at times. You're going to question yourself at times. I certainly did. And, you know, medicine is what you want to do. You got to do it, you know. And if you do want to change, you are doing yourself so much more of a service than actually continuing to pursue something you don't want to do anymore. And that's probably the hardest thing was me testing my limits to see like, is this really what I want to do? And I, I luckily did not want to change, but for some people, they feel like, okay, I spent all of my undergrad preparing myself for medical school. And then I had two gap years where I thought I could 
do something to better myself. And now I realize I don't want to do medicine anymore. And I wasted basically all my time. And that's the thing. You didn't waste your time. You finally found your passion and that's the best thing about it. And if you're pursuing something in a similar way that I did, just don't give up, give yourself a break, cut yourself some slack because you accomplished so much and comparing yourself to other people won't really help you. You just have to compare yourself to who you were three months ago, six months ago, a year, five years ago kind of deal. And if you see that you have changed, then you're doing yourself a huge favor and you're on the right path. Yes, of course. And everything you shared today was was amazing. And I'm sure it's going to help all of our viewers. And it's definitely great to get a, another perspective on medicine, because I know uh, whenever you get into that field, it can kind of just be tunnel vision on, on everything. And you can kind of forget mm -hmm. on about all of everything that happens in between. And your experiences definitely highlight that. And it was just great hearing about everything you're saying. And we really thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate everything. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I really loved talking about my journey and hopefully, you know, shed some light on something that's not as common and what most people don't normally see when they're pre-med. So hopefully it inspires people. And I hope, you know, someone out there that's listening can find something they can connect to and hopefully it like helps drive them to further become a physician. Thank you so much for joining us today and coming on to our podcast. Um, this is actually going to be our very first episode. So we're so happy that we got to have a wonderful guest speaker like you to start off our series called The Story Behind. And as the title suggests, we really want to get to know these professionals and their perspectives on the fields they're in. And it really helps people understand that it isn't glamorized or not the common stereotype you would see. Um, I definitely hope that this helps our listeners and I really appreciate your time coming here today. Yeah, of course. I love talking to you guys and, you know, maybe one day when I am a physician and this podcast is still going, maybe I can come back and, you know, give you guys some updates. Definitely, we would love to. And if you would like to keep up with Mrs. Kuhn Lazoy's journey, you can follow her on Instagram at mommydoctor2be. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's podcast episode. We hope to see you again soon. And if you would like to keep up with the latest updates regarding our new podcast episodes and more scientific opportunities, then please visit us at setuptoscience.com. And you can also follow us on our social media handles at Setup to Science. Until next time, keep on learning.